Welcome to the OA Serenity Sunday Meeting Podcast. Visit the Los Angeles Intergroup at oalaig.org for information on how to join our meeting live and how to donate to support this meeting and our podcasts. The opinions expressed on the Serenity Sunday Podcast are those of the individual speakers and do not represent OA as a whole. And now our speaker. Hi, I'm Shannon. I'm a grateful recovering compulsive eater. <clears throat> um, clear the screen. Thanks for asking me to be here to lead today. And it's so great to see all the people that are here. It's feeling very um, connected and fun. <laughs> um, I still get like a little goosebumps when they say welcome home um and uh having been here <clears throat> for 10 years in this program a couple years in um another program before that that got me here uh it feels like family it feels like home um seeing everybody um <clears throat> so uh what it was like um gosh i've just been thinking about um, a lot of my other meetings are big book meetings now and just talking a lot about, um, you know, just being a real drunk and just, oh, just the desperation and the, just oh, the grind of addiction. And, you know, a lot of, I'm hearing newcomers, a lot of newcomers now with everything that's going on in the world and the time of year and just the whole thing. Um, just talking about the obsession and the, the the addiction the food you know just being in it um and it just when I think about what it was like I have to really go back and remember that I mean that was the first uh, most of my life up until that point but I don't I don't live like that anymore so it's like a memory you know um and it's 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 weird it's like it's it's hard to believe that it was that way but also it's it's just so right there you know and it's always right there and that's why, um, you know, getting abstinent, being abstinent one day at a time just, just keeps us safe. You know, I was thinking yesterday about it. So I'm going to have uh, in October, November will be 10 years of abstinence and my abstinence is no flour, no sugar. And, um, <clears throat> I can't, when I, I came in on my knees and I had an eye, eye on someone who had what I wanted, which was absolutely appeared to me. I mean, I'm sure it wasn't for her, but what I saw was peace and serenity. It wasn't about her size. I knew she had, I mean, actually I knew she had lost a lot of weight. She did share that, but she just seemed peaceful and like sober. And that was what I wanted. Um, I came in needing that, just craving that because being crazy just was getting, it was just wearing me out. Um, and I was thinking about how we say um, my birthday's in November and I'll say like, oh, well, God willing, I'll have 10 years in November. And I was just yesterday for the first time in my life, I thought, what do you mean God willing? You think God doesn't want me to stay abstinent? Are you kidding? Like, why do I even say that? Like, I don't even know where we get these things. Like, of course, God willing, self-will, no, <laughs> self-will, I'm screwed. Like, I'll be so jacked up. You won't even recognize me like in two seconds. But no, God willing, of course, God wills. Yes. So I'm going to, I'm going to go with, I'm going to stay with God and, you know, this year, I'll have 10 years of abstinence. And this, the funny thing is this, I'm, I'm also, I'm maintaining a 40 pound weight loss 
that when I stopped eating flour, when I came in, flour and sugar was all I ate. Like I, I was, you know, it was complete addict and complete, uh, just feeding my anxiety. Um, just, I had gained a bunch of weight because I had a big event coming up, which many of you might know about, cause you've heard my story and you know me. Um, but I came out about the fact that I'm a singer. I'd grown up singing and I stopped singing just because I had kids and that's not the career that I pursued. And as I got older, I just wasn't having opportunities for that. And when I was turning 40, I realized I needed to make my own opportunities. So this is pre-program. So you can imagine the self-will that was behind this. I decided I needed to put on a full length concert for 120 of my nearest and dearest who did not know I sang and I hadn't sung in 20 years. So I spent a year preparing with, you know, professional help and brought in an amazing band um, because of my day job and asking favors and then proceeded to gain 40 pounds in preparation for that because of the amount of self-will and anxiety that I took on thinking that I had to do this amazing thing that I had no idea if I could do or not. And I didn't, I didn't have, I did not have program. I, I was in, I was in the people program. Like I say, I went, I thank God I got there because before that I was angry with God and wanted nothing to do with anything that, that in my mind appeared to have religion attached to it because I was raised in systematic abuse in the name of religion. And I was very resentful about that as one can imagine. And it came in because my brother picked up hard drugs instead of the food like me, although I'm sure we all deal with that too. But, and I came to Al-Anon because I needed to save him and our family and fix him and make sure he didn't die and figure out what I was going to, you know, how I was going to survive with the level of anxiety that I had knowing that it was my job to save the whole family <clears throat> and didn't get a sponsor and didn't work the steps, but I came to the rooms religiously one meeting a week and sat there and listened and just kind of started to crack apart and just saw that. I mean, I always think about, and this is the same in our, in a way. So I, I'm just, this is just my story, but like people would say they were, someone would mention like that they were feeling suicidal and then they would, and, and, and then it would be like the timer would go off and the next person would start talking about like whatever else. And I thought like that the whole room needed to get up and go hug that person or, you know, how are we going to, you know, so that was probably the most profound thing that I, I, I kind of learned like a regimen in those rooms. And then, and then I started to see that, that that was something different, that there was like a spiritual difference about the way these people were operating in this room. And so when I gained all that weight, I was just like, what is going, what is wrong with me? And then I said, oh, I'm an addict too. I'm, I'm an addict. It's not my brother. It's me. <laughs> like, this is my issue. This is for me to get right. And for me to get with, with the higher power and ask for help and surrender. So I made a deal with the God of my understanding at that moment, that if he would get me through that, that concert, that I would come to OA on Monday morning. And that's, that's your exactly, first one. Thank you. And that's exactly what happened. I did the show, went back to change and come out thinking that people were going to like throw tomatoes at me because I was just so messed up to think that I would get up and do that. And instead was just completely embraced with like tangible love that I'd never felt in my life. And now I know for pro from program, and I knew this then just innately 
it wasn't, it had nothing to do with ego. And I knew that because I was like self-deprecating beyond like barely being able to breathe, but it was, it was God. It was like this just gift that had been shared that people received and that they gave back. And it was, it was just this amazing thing. Like I saw God, like, and it, you know, and it was in music and just in, in that sharing. And, you know, that's what we do here. I mean, I didn't know that then, but I had made that deal with God and I stuck to it. By the way, the birthday cake was gone by the time I got out and I never had any because I stopped eating sugar on that Monday. And that was like my last chance to get cake. So, um, <clears throat> and I stood outside the room. I went to the cottage sent, um, Monday morning, 10 a.m., which is still my home meeting. And I stood outside and I was pissed, even though I promised I would go, but I felt, you know, like I was being forced. And I stood there and I was like, I can't believe that, like, I have to do this because I can't stop going to a drive through and eating cheeseburgers. Like this is disgusting. What is wrong? Um, and I just, I heard God say like audibly for me, it was like, you don't need more food. You just need more me. And I said, okay. And I knew I wasn't going to find it anywhere else. Cause I wasn't going to church. So I came in and got sponsor and she said, I don't eat flour or sugar. And that's the way I sponsor. And I said, that's, I've never, that's crazy. I've never, no one does that. That's, there's no such thing because I've been, you know, I'm raised in a family of dieters and I don't know anybody who ever did that. You know, I mean, I'm not from California, maybe in California, that was normal to be so healthy. But to me, that was like, Oh, so we're monks here. Or like, I don't understand like what you're talking about. Like those are, that's all I eat. Like cookies and white, like hamburger buns were like my sustenance of life that time. So I just couldn't believe it. And I thought, well, that's, this is not possible. And she said, you know, just pray about it and call me tomorrow. See, and see, like, you know, see if you can get a day kind of thing. And I I'm like, pray about it. I don't even know, you know, but I wanted what she had, you know, and I'd, I'd had that spiritual experience enough to know that I wanted something. Then I just said, my way got me right here, <laughs> you know, way overweight, miserable, scared to death no, no hope for any kind of difference. So I was like, all right. And if she's doing it, I guess it's possible. And I just started doing it one day at a time. And, um, that abstinence has kept me safe. It got me sober. I, I wasn't sober before that. And I, you know, like the whites in my eyes, like showed up, I, I started being able to look at people. Um, when I first came in, I had to sit in the back corner with nobody around me. I had to be by the door you know, I needed to see that exit and be like pretty much where I could reach out and touch it. And I did not speak to anyone for probably other than my sponsor for probably a year. I don't even remember if I shared, I don't even know. Um, and I remember when people started talking to me, <laughs> it's like, I'm from a small town. I'm like a social person, but in pro in this, the whole thing was like the twilight zone. You know, I was saying, I remember in that Alan, I'm meeting this girl, like handing me her phone number on a little piece of paper I thought I was like in a science fiction movie. Like who, who does that? Who like slips you their phone number on a little piece of paper? Like, why is she doing this? Like, leave me alone. And I'm only sharing that to just say how far I've come and like how big a deal it was to surrender to this program. And, you know, over time, of course, all of that totally melted away. I've you know, I know like most of you guys, I've done, worked with you on projects and in, in program and 
many of you have said things that you may not know, but that I share with my sponsees, like on a regular basis that I heard from you. Um, you know, so it's like, this is my home and it's just, it's pretty amazing how it works. And, um, let's see, I, I, so I'm going to move to current now. Um, even though I don't think the timer went off yet, but I'm sure it's close enough. Um, because you know, that's kind of what happened. That was it. I surrendered and I started getting eaten sober and I just kept coming back and I took service positions and, you know, had sponsors and did what they said. And, um, I've worked in a couple of other programs that have helped to deepen like the things that I've learned here. And I definitely learned that for me, um, fear, resentment, I I think resentment comes later. First one, the natural one for me is fear and anxiety, you know, having been raised in abuse and just really twisted messaging that has to do with someone telling you because of like religious beliefs or whatever, that this is right and you're wrong, but you know, it's not right. Like that whole thing was a real twist. And so fear and anxiety, natural. And that's what I ate over. You know, it was self-medicating. Absolutely. And just trying to take myself out because facing life when I am in that level of fear and anxiety, And I also have like a perfectionist or an achieving kind of personality. It's like, I've got to forge ahead. So thank you. So I can only do that with, with a drug of choice, which is food. You know, I have to numb and just self-medicate basically. And then you come here and you take that away. And for me, that ended up being a good thing, I guess, because I was desperate. And I, and I just, I knew that what I had done was so too painful and that there had to be something better here. If I just, if I, you know, I, I believed the promises maybe because of my uh, upbringing. And, you know, when I heard the promises the first time I said, oh, that's yes, that's what, I, that sounds like it. That's what I'm going for here. And if they're saying that's what we're going to get, then I'm going to keep coming back. And then I just felt all the things as I did it. And um, I think, <clears throat> I think it's taken a long time to get to some of the deeper stuff, maybe, you know, more like in my sixth and seventh year and just, you know, raising kids and, um, actually just this last year or so has been the most difficult on paper of my life. Um, I just finished a 25 year marriage that I completed thanks to program and recovery, um, my daughter graduated high school and is leaving for college, which is a big deal. Um, <clears throat> I have had uh, light changes in my body that I'm not comfortable with. And I also had, a, a, I've had other friendships that have gone by the wayside that were very painful to lose. And I've had a turn to program in a way that's new like to really go in deep in a way that, I mean, the first time it was about getting sober and then it was about just doing it, the thing, you know, and just staying sober and showing up and learning. And then now it's like real life. 
happening because I'm, you know, I think because God knows I can handle it now. And he has, he wants me to break through some of these old patterns and behaviors and relationships and things that weren't healthy that I, I, I needed to keep in place while I was getting sober long enough. And I needed to kind of keep going along that path and pretending basically. But I think my higher power knows I'm ready for something bigger now. So um, he's letting it, letting it rip. And I'm, you know, what do I do? Go to more meetings, more service, more, when I have more sponsees, um, thank God, that's like the greatest thing. So hearing them work the steps, being able to just share my experience, strength and hope, um, honestly, because it's not about, there's no ego in this for me, like outside that's an issue, but here it's not because I, I just, it's not going to, it's just not going to work. Like, I know what that got me. I know what that gets me. Um, and it's not what I want, you know, um, fear is still always kind of the knee jerk. And that's what came up this year when things started getting bad. Um, and hard, you know, really difficult and tricky but I had to, I really use the tools and the biggest thing that the kind of joke that came out of it, that, I mean, it was such a God thing for me to come up with this. Cause now it saves me every day, but it was like, I was talking to a sponsee and, and we were talking about using like, whether we're using food or shopping or whatever. And just like, why do we think it's easier to like, get in my car, go somewhere, park, spend money, go to the mall, buy something, try something on or food or whatever, come back do the whole rigmarole when I could have just sat here and just quietly done nothing and waited and breathed. Like, how, like, how is that knee jerk thing to go and use? Like somehow seem like the easy answer, you know, like, Oh, it's too hard to go to God or something like, and we just laughed about it. It was like, Oh my God, we totally do that. And now I think of it all the time when I feel anxious and I start thinking, Oh, I need to see someone I need to, you know, whatever, you know, go write the manifesto or prepare for this thing that's six months from now and I'm not ready yet or like whatever kind of drama I want to create. I catch myself and I laugh and it's like, oh, how about if you just like do absolutely freaking nothing for like two seconds, you know, and just let it be and don't go to the, you know, and obviously don't go to food. And I, I don't keep a strict food plan. I never have. My, my abstinence was so strict it never felt strict. It felt really safe to me. It kept me out of so much trouble. And I, there's just, it's so black and white. Like for me, I read the ingredients and if there's a sugar type of thing on there, sugar or anything that sounds like sugar, I just don't eat it, you know, or flour or anything that sounds, has the word flour. Don't eat it. If it doesn't have those words, eat it. It may not be the healthiest choice that moment. Yes. I try to be healthy and take care of myself. And, and that's something that I'll struggle with in difficult times, but you know, that's what I have a sponsor and share and, um, you know, service and meetings and tools for, um, and that just that clarity, I don't have that clarity anywhere else in my life. Cause I'm a freaking addict and I make, I confuse everything. I'm a fantasy addict. I, everything's a fantasy. It's the story that I'm writing, not what's actually happening. It's my layers of narrative on top of whatever's actually happening. <laughs> And I, I don't know, you know, as an addict and a creative, you know, which is one of my like <laughs> ways that I hide my addiction. Like, I, I don't know what's true half the time. I don't know what's 
actual. So that's why we come here to kind of get clarity and to be able to run something by a fellow and to say, what do you think? And, you know, take direction now. I don't have ego about that. I used to be so prickly, like, don't tell me what to do. I, you know, I grew up being controlled. I don't want to be controlled. And now it's like, I'll pretty much ask anyone on the street, like, what do you think? And if it sounds straightforward, okay, that, yes. Okay. Forget anything I thought, you know? So, I mean, those are, those are the, some of the ways that it, that I feel recovered now and that I just know bring me, you know, and I see other people ruminating about something and I'm not, and I can see the difference and I'm just like, oh, thank you, God you know, therefore by the grace of God, I go, I like, it's not me today. It'll be me tomorrow. Be me tonight after dinner. Who knows? But like right this moment, oh my God, thank you so much. It's not me today. So right this minute. And the other thing is I, when I start, I go around rabbit holes about other people's behavior and what I think they're thinking and taking their inventory and that kind of stuff, you know, as a Al-Anon by trade, stock and trade, whatever. And I, now I your- say, thank you so much. My prayer is I pray for the man who's still sick and I'm on the top of that list. So just pray for the man who's still sick. And that includes me. Um, and really let it go. And that's pretty much how I roll. So thanks for asking me to share. And uh, I'm just really thrilled to see all you guys today. Thank you so much.